We are going to begin by focusing on anti-Semitism and hate crimes against Jews. Those crimes, sadly, are up nearly 20%, according to the head of security for the Greater Miami Jewish Federation. This is an alarming increase. Last week in Muncie, New York, a mentally ill man attacked Jews taking part in a Hanukkah celebration, slashing five people with a machete. A couple of weeks before that, three people were shot to death at a convenience store in an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood in Jersey City. There were 835 anti-Jewish hate crimes in the New York City area last year. In South Florida, you recall last summer, 68-year-old Yosef Lifshutz was walking to his synagogue in Northeast Miami-Dade when a man jumped out of a car, shot him six times. That shooter has been charged with a hate crime. Local synagogues have heightened security, positioned armed guards. Uh, they have installed metal gates. They're using single-person entrances. Jewish day schools have heightened their security, too. But we cannot accept anti-Semitism. It hurts not just our Jewish friends and neighbors, but our entire community. So we want to talk about it with our guest today. Michael Balaban is president, chief operating officer at the Jewish Federation of Broward. Stephanie Viegas is security director for the Greater Miami Jewish Federation. She is a former special agent with the FBI. Carol Brickturin is the Community Relations Council Director of the Greater Miami Jewish Federation. And Brian Siegel is Director of the American Jewish Committee, the AJC of Miami and Broward. All of you, good morning. So glad morning, you could morning, come morning. in good morning. and you, appreciate this. Brian Siegel, let me begin with you. What do you think is causing this alarming uh, rise in acts of anti-Semitism, hate crimes against Jews? Well, thank you, Michael. It, it really defies an easy explanation it's uh, coming from many different sources. So that is one of the things that, that complicates it. We know at AJC, being engaged in global Jewish advocacy and seeing rising anti-Semitism in Europe and other parts of the world for many years that, and we also know from history that anti-Semitism comes about when there's fear and anger and people looking to blame others. Right. But in particular right now, we have a few theories. One is people are starting to forget the legacy of the Holocaust and the lessons that yeah. we have learned from 70, that. 75 years ago, and yet, I, I mean, it is the grimmest episode perhaps of the 20th century, the murder of six million Jews, mm -hmm. but somehow that lesson seems to have been forgotten by a younger generation. I think that's right. There's not as much knowledge or personal connection, so that's a big problem. Another big problem is that social media allows people to take these vile messages and spread yeah. them in a way that hasn't existed before. So we see tropes that we haven't seen in many years and we right. see conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. So that's another you know, reason why we're seeing a lot of this. Yeah. We also would believe that people are not putting as much focus and, and faith in liberal democracy and in pluralism, that core value as yeah. Americans that we hold. We're political and civic leaders speak out against us, Carol Brookter, and that's part of what you do is encourage leaders throughout our community, South Florida, you know, to condemn anti-Semitism. You're absolutely right, uh, Michael, and thank you for having the Greater Miami Jewish Federation represented here. We are working not only within the Jewish community, much of what we do in our JCRC is working outside of the Jewish community. We need to stand together, we need to speak out together in all forms of bigotry and hate, obviously for us, anti-Semitism, and we need to have those relationships 
before these incidents so that we are creating on a regular basis those kinds of organic and yeah. meaningful Yeah, Michael Bellavan, jump in here. What do you think is, is behind this alarming rise in hate crimes and anti-Semitism? Well, it's, it's you know, one, one piece people have to remember, what starts with the Jews never ends mm -hmm. with the Jews. And we're now existing in a society that's become far more siloed, polarized. Um, you've got Islamic fundamentalists, you've got people on the left and the right using the Jewish community as a political wedge, and you have supremacists uh, who have always stood for hate and, and look to create that sense of, yeah. rather than an us, the other. The other. Mm -hmm. Well, classically, historically, Jews have been labeled the other throughout history. Stephanie, uh, in your work at the FBI and now for Federation, uh, why do you think this is happening? All of the reasons that, mm -hmm. that my colleagues have, have discussed, and probably more reasons that we just don't know. People are individually radicalized, so they have their own ideologies and their own beliefs and their own right. thoughts. Yeah. Uh, if we can, I'm going to ask uh, our director uh, to queue up. This was the video at that uh, hateful rally in Charlottesville by mm -hmm. white nationalists, and what those white nationalists were chanting as they carried torches were. Jews will not replace us. Well, here is what happened on the streets uh, of Charlottesville, where one woman tragically was killed by one of the white nationalists. But in the march, um, if we have that video, uh, these I mean, it, it was shades of Germany in 1937. Mm -hmm. I mean, marching through an American city, uh, Michael chanting, Jews will not replace us. And then they were good people on both sides. That didn't sort of help the equation. No, and, and again, it's, it's the sense of, of politicians, both on the left and the right, mm -hmm. using Jewish community as a wedge. And, um, I'm, and, and we speak about this often, the fear of, uh, I hate you because you got him elected, and I hate you because you didn't get him elected. Whenever you take a group and you use them in that yeah. kind mm -hmm. of framework, then you help to promote that sense of the yeah. other and you yeah. help to create this dissidence from yeah. the other side. Stephanie, one of the challenges for you and I think for the entire Jewish community and for police uh, is the fact that some Jews, Orthodox Jews particularly, wear clothing that identifies them mm -hmm. as Jews. Men will wear a kippah, a skull cap, or women uh, will wear a long skirt and a wig. I mean, I happen to live in Aventura. I see these people walking to temple every day almost, uh, and, um, and certainly on Friday on the mm -hmm. Sabbath. Uh, and they are, um, tragically, it, it makes them targets. It's made them Absolutely. targets in New York. Absolutely. Part of uh, the training and the awareness piece that we try to bring to the community, security is no longer siloed. It's everyone's responsibility. So we teach awareness. How do I become a little bit more aware of my surroundings and where I am? Um, a lot of people in this country still walk around with their face in their phone or looking at other things. Right. Being so, more aware of your surroundings. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. When does something look suspicious and, and am I reporting it? Yeah. But you have to know what looks suspicious as well, right? At the Tree of Life Synagogue mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh where 11 Jews were killed at that service uh, when the man burst in, uh, I, I read that you had said that the, the rabbi had been trained yeah. to have his 
have his cell phone. Normally, when you you know leading a service on the Bema, mm -hmm. you're not supposed right. to have a cell phone. But in fact, he had it, and Carol, he was able yes. to call, and the police were there almost immediately. And you know, Michael, it's some of the the most effective means of protecting ourselves are no cost or low cost. It's knowing what to do and being trained and then practicing what you're taught. And this is what Stephanie does throughout the community on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Well, what about uh, protecting Jewish schools, day schools, synagogues? I mean, I see at Aventura Turnberry Jewish Center, where I happen to attend services with uh, my life partner, Karen. Um, I mean, they have a single entrance. They have armed guards there, but that is the norm now, is it, it not? Is, it is. The, the world in and of itself has changed, right? Our threat and our postures have changed. So therefore, I always try to encourage, how many layers do you have in your security posture? Do you have fencing? Do you have bushes? Then mm -hmm. do you have a guard? Then do you have maybe a mechanism that I have to activate to even get into the building? How right. many layers have you created? Um, to better equip yourself. And, and are you advising yourself. people to add new layers, additional layers? Of course I am, always. But the challenge is each synagogue, each facility has their own budgetary right. concerns, right? So that makes it a lot more difficult. Right. Yes, Brian. I would say that when we're looking at security, we're trying to, to find a balance between making sure people are safe and making sure people can still practice their mm -hmm. religion. And we've seen that with this atmosphere in which we're living, it really is impacting the attitudes and perceptions of American Jews. AJC released a survey in October upon the one-year anniversary right. of the Tree of Life right. killings, and it showed that nine out of ten American Jews consider anti-Semitism a serious concern. It also shows that 31 percent of American Jews have said that they hide publicly their Judaism because they're afraid of attack, and 25 percent said they avoid Jewish gatherings or events because wow. they're concerned. Yeah, and we need alarming numbers. I mean, alarming really. numbers, and, and, and really standing for I think the principle that we have to stand up, we have to be proud of who we are, and we have mm -hmm. to look to our allies. Carol mentioned reaching out to other ethnic and religious groups because we know that hatred is not only limited to the Jewish community. We know that there's yeah. hatred against other minorities, well, and we have to stand Hispanics together. and gays, Absolutely. transgender people, I mean, and even in the bigotry Muslim and, and against Muslims as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, Michael, the, the biggest challenge is that balance. It right. used to be in years past, welcoming versus security. Right. Now, how do we merge those two? Because you still can be welcoming and still have a security posture, right. but it's learning that balance, and that's the, probably the biggest challenge. Michael Bellaband, head of the Broward Jewish Federation, and what about the Posnack Day School, which is there, you know, adjacent to your offices? Uh, what about security there? Been Thank you up? for asking, Michael. Broward County has ten Jewish day schools, Posnack being being uh, one of our largest, uh, located on the the campus where the Jewish Federation operates right. and, uh, and the Jewish Community Center there as well. Um, as Stephanie mentioned, we've, we've uh, designed our security around single access entry, mm -hmm. concentric circles of, of deeper and deeper security to limit people to come in. And, and the true agony of all of this is we should be focused on, especially in a day school setting, educating um, the education of our youth Right. to the future of this country and uh, their own futures and rather the sheer amount of money that we're spent uh, that we're spending on defending and protecting 
um, takes apart from all of that. Right. And Carol, what about the fact that Stephanie is working for Federation, but Stephanie, you are advising smaller congregations, Chabad's, others who really don't have the kind of money uh, to have armed guards or other security measures. Right, so we look at other options that are available, and like Carol mentioned earlier, there are some low-cost and no-cost options. What are they? Um, the simple one of a, a rabbi asking him to please, or her to please carry a phone during service, which they generally mm -hmm. do not, so they could call 911. Maybe vetting and being a little more careful on when you do have visitors, because you know South Florida, we get an influx this time of year right. on visitors, but is there a vetting process? Do we know who's coming to pray? Yeah, you know, one of the I, when we spoke on the phone earlier this week, um, you as an FBI agent uh, were part of an investigation into a jihadist who was intent on throwing a bomb into the Aventura Turnbury mm -hmm. Jewish Center, and the FBI set up through an informant, and you caught that guy. He mm -hmm. was convicted. He is in prison mm -hmm. now. I mean, that's just one of so many incidents that have happened. It is, it is, and they're very hard to predict and to detect. So, you know, kudos to the FBI yeah. that have informants and have undercovers in those positions. To right. Yeah, I want to uh, mention something that is going to happen tomorrow. Here is a sign that uh, Brian Siegel of the AJC brought in. It says, hashtag Jewish and proud. And here is part of, if we put this up on the screen, of the message that went with it. Uh, from Rabbi David Levy. He says, Monday, January 6th, we are calling on all Jews to stand together. Regardless of what we usually wear, we are putting on a kippah or a Magan David necklace or a t-shirt with Hebrew writing on it or whatever we want to wear to show the world that we are Jews, that we stand together and that we are not going to cower in fear. Brian, tell us more about this. Sure. Well, the premise being as Americans and as believers in those values of religious freedom and of pluralism, you know, we want to live in a country and our vision of America is one in which Jews can proudly claim their identity and not be afraid. Right. So for those of us who don't typically wear religious garb, we think it's important to be able to do that without fear. And for our brothers and sisters in the Jewish community, who do, as a matter of their faith, wear religious uh, clothing or otherwise, we want them to feel safe and know that there's solidarity amongst ourselves. So we want to declare this day with our friends and allies in the Jewish community and in the non-Jewish community to stand together because we think it's an important statement to make. And obviously, in some ways, it's symbolic. And a lot of what we've been talking about here is how do we keep the Jewish community safe, but it's also about our values as Americans, that we need to understand this is fundamental, and it's not just a matter of the Jewish community. This is a matter of our social fabric. It's a matter of standing true for the principles that we believe in. Right, of pluralism, democracy, freedom, justice, and freedom of religion for all people with tolerance. It's not just a Jewish problem, it's a societal problem, and right. we need to stand together for that. Michael, one of the things that I wanted to mention in terms of fortifying or better securing our facilities is that we leverage our private philanthropy with public funding. And over a dozen years ago, the federal government started allocating money specifically to harden these facilities. Right. And every year, our Miami-Dade community, South Florida community, receives some of that funding. And at Federation, we actually hold workshops to help access that funding for our Jewish communities. And I have to say that uh, Governor Rick Scott, Governor Ron DeSantis, 
particularly over the last uh, more than eight years, have been very uh, supportive of money from the legislature to help protect. I know uh, Governor mm -hmm. Scott went to your day school, I believe, and said, we are going to protect these kids. So. We toured around with, with Governor Scott, and uh, he provided tremendous support. Um, and uh, the current administration is doing that as well, uh, as well as law enforcement on a regular basis mm -hmm. where we're holding forums and seminars throughout the community, uh, yeah. Stop the Bleed programs as mm -hmm. well, yeah. really making sure people are trained how to prepare and, and how to, if, yeah. if the unfortunate yeah. happens, be ready for it. Stephanie, what is the Stop the Bleed program which you are conducting or will be conducting? So I'm, I'm actually conducting it in concert with a few other people. I'm not trained in Stop the Bleed, so I'm bringing in the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. They're actually going to give the training. And we have found, statistically, sh shooting incidents. People have been wounded um, with maybe a, an artery bleed yeah. that could have been, the death could have been prevented. So they're gonna learn how to apply a simple tourniquet that could save someone's life before EMS right. can arrive. These are yeah. very easy things to learn. Every child should know how to, how to do this as well as every adult. Right, well if more people perhaps have been trained at Poway or at Tree of Life, maybe some of those lives could have yeah. been saved that uh, were lost. Well, I wanna thank you all. I just wanna say personally, uh, I have a kippah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wear it tomorrow. I'm not Thank Jewish, you, but I support yeah, this movement. Thank so, you uh, support. no, Thank you. tomorrow, I appreciate that, you know, Jewish and proud. Well, non Jewish and proud. So, I will I'll be wearing my skull cap, my yarmulke tomorrow. All right. Thank you all for coming Thank in. You, appreciate Thank it you, Michael. Thank you so Michael. much. Thank you.